crap, it's September. It's almost October. We back, y'all. Safe to say this top line is the best in the league. Yeah, we are. Nathan McKinnon! Oh, Captain! My Captain! Do you know the way to San Jose? Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph, and you're locked into Burgundy Radio. It's the 2021-2022 preseason preview camp thing. I don't know. Coming up on the show, Avs rookies take on some California rookies in the annual showcase. A Connor extension for Logan O'Connor. How do the Avs move forward with their losses from last year's roster? Expanded prospect roles, PTOs, all that and more. Talking to you about that is Earl 06. Good evening, Earl. Good evening, friends. Tiger Vixen, welcome back, Jackie. Greetings. And Vlad is here as well. Welcome back, Vlad. Thank you very much. Before we get into things, I do have some major housekeeping to take care of, and that is to introduce the new host of Burgundy Radio. That's our very own voice of Vlad. What's up, Vlad? Hey, so, uh, yeah, big news. (laughs) So yeah, this this is my last episode hosting this thing, at least until an emergency happens and they need me to guest host, which I'm sure that'll totally happen sometime. And I'm not going anywhere entirely, to be clear. I'll still be on several episodes, not all of them, uh, but lots. Just kind of reached a point where I've got about a dozen other interests and priorities in my life right now and following the avalanche as closely as I feel like I have to, to produce the kind of show I want to produce is, is taking away from those other things too much and makes... Watching games feel like a responsibility, and that's not where you want sports to be. Uh, so Vlad graciously has volunteered to take this job, and he's going to be great. And we're shuffling roles around at Burgundy Review in general to compensate for his additional time here. Uh, the details of that aren't settled yet. It is still September's preseason for us, too. Um, but you'll be seeing different voices on our Twitter handle during games, for example. Just kind of some some kind of things like that. Uh, so, yeah, I wanted to get that out of the way right at the beginning for folks who don't make it all the way to the end of our very long tirades. Uh, we, we love you all just the same if you listen to five minutes or two hours. Um, so I want to make sure everybody heard that. And I'll leave this section behind now with uh, one of my favorite Under Oath lyrics that isn't on the Define the Great Line album, and then we'll get going here. This might be my last one. It's going to be good and hard. It might be a touch out of key. So we have lots to talk about today. Preseason starts up in, as we record, three days, almost exactly. It's like down to the hour. Um, Some of y'all have been able to attend some of camp, which I am not able to do that because I live very far away. Um, I don't know if anyone was able to attend some of the early camps that just have like captain skates and that kind of stuff. So why don't we just kind of start chronological and get through some of the, the kind of the early practice kind of stuff and how guys are looking and then we'll go into our rookie showcase kind of stuff so what let's just start with what has been really interesting to you on the rookie side on the developmental side uh what's what's going on oh boy um well i guess first and foremost it's been fun to see the guys that i'd never seen live before like john luke foodie justin barron our the only guy from our recent draft class, Oscar Lawson. So for me, that's probably been the highlight of 
a lot of the rookie things is to lay my eyes on some of these guys. And then, of course, it's always nice to see the contrast with the expected NHLers like Byram and Newhook. So that's probably my favorite part of like the rookie stuff. Yeah, I think that's that's a great point about watching the rookie showcase. Is it, you do get this examine, uh, you know what what Justin Barron looks like compared to Bo Byram. You know what does Shane Bowers look like or Jean Luc Foudy look like compared to Alex Newhook? It, it sort of gives you a mark to shoot at, and you know they, the the Avs. Not having a lot of draft picks over the past few years, you know, they don't have a lot in reserve, but they do have some quality, and that was good to see. It's interesting. She gone. <laughs> that took <laughs> what? Just to Four complete minutes? that thought, it, it is interesting, but um, she'll be back. There, there were some interesting sort of a secondary thing about this camp in that since the Avs barely had any picks during the the draft, they were looking at some amateur tryouts that weren't just kind of the, the recently graduated CHL or college guys. They were actually looking at 18 and 19 year olds to maybe give an ALC to, to sort of round out their draft class, which had a big hole between the third and the seventh round. Um, big hole. And they had a few guys in there that that made it to the big camp. Um, Jack O'Brien is one that I think a lot of people are looking at to perhaps get an ELC. And he played all three games in the rookie showcase. Um, he looked pretty decent. Um, he's been sort of buried at camp. Vlad, I don't know if you noticed him today. Um, I know you didn't have a cheat sheet with you, but... Um, he's been playing kind of down with the lighter colored jerseys in in camp, but um, you know, he's he's a guy that a lot of people seem to feel you know sort of might be that fifth pick in our draft class this year. Um, and I don't know how you guys feel about that. Do you think it's a, a smart thing to sort of take guys that uh, the rest of the NHL passed on and and sign them to an ELC and make them part of your draft class. I mean, is that a good way to make up for not having draft picks? I think that's a topic that Jackie really wanted to dive into. <laughs> so I hope that she either is back or does return soon. Um, but I want to step in and clarify before we go any farther here, because this confused the shit out of me. Uh, if you <laughs> have been seeing people talking about O'Brien at camp, that's a new O'Brien. His name is Jack. Yeah. Or J-O-B or he's, he's Job, very... as you're going to hear me call him probably forever. <laughs> um, it, it, this is not the same O'Brien that we all complained about last season. Yes, this is not Liam. Um, he's a young guy. He played for Portland in the, the WHL last year, along with some time in the USHL before they got going. Um, a lot of guys online were, were kind of the mind that if he'd gone the college route, that, that he definitely would have been drafted and that you know, maybe the CHL route wasn't the greatest thing for him. He's, he's kind of slight. Um, he's only 150 pounds and he looks it. Um, <laughs> so it's one of those things where, you know, you, you look at a guy like, you know, taking three years at a college and, and having that, 
sort of lesser tempo to games and a lot of time to um, work out and, and gain body weight and sort of grow into a, a hockey player body might have been the perfect thing for him. So um, I take it you all missed the entire part of me talking about the three-on-three. Yeah, you said it's <laughs> interesting that, and that was about it. Okay, well, that's fine. That's like a whole other point I can make later. So we're talking about Jack O'Brien, obviously. We or... are talking about Jack O'Brien. Okay. We're, we're kind of stalling because Earl asked a, a question that I think you wanted to talk about. Um, so Earl, why don't you briefly repeat that question? Sure, and I I wanted to get your take on whether you think it's it's a a viable way to make up for having uh, fewer draft picks to take a Jack O'Brien or, or any of the other guys that are sort of moving along through camp in the ATOs. Um, whether that's a that's a good way to make up for not having as many picks. Well, it should be sure because your reserve list is thin; they don't have a lot of guys to sign but the thing is you have to sign him then like bringing him to camp and taking him to the showcase where there's a billion scouts doesn't really help your own reserve list if you're not going to sign him you're right just doing all those other guys a favor yeah it's you know it, it, and it's not like since he went through the draft once and didn't get drafted he's not going to be there again and this is something he will go through the draft next year if the abs don't sign him or if someone else doesn't sign him yeah i'm not sure if anybody is allowed to right now march like, 1st that they probably wouldn't like no well because he is still draft eligible i think like the abs can only do it until like regular season or something like they have a, a deadline yeah and then like that nobody has is able to sign him until i think after next year's draft but you know i didn't take them making these invites very seriously because they're just camp bodies and they don't take lower end ELC guys seriously either. Like I do think it's a good strategy to add to your reserve list and everything, but you know, the abs don't take these kids seriously, but you know, O'Brien had a good rookie camp and then I thought he had some decent moments against the NHLers in main camp. Like he's, clearly on the lower end but for somebody that wasn't drafted you're just hoping to see something like you know this guy isn't going to even look as good as say like the samples of the of the, the crew but you just want to bring in a guy and see something right yeah i mean i, I just from what you've seen live uh, against nhlers you know is this something that that could develop into an nhl player uh, down the road or is it just too hard to tell at this point well of course it's hard to tell but he does have legitimate skill and after his one the first day of rookie or of main camp that i watched him i kind of looked into his background and he was supposed to be a first round pick yeah wasn't he ranked just ahead of all of at the beginning yes. of the year well what happened yeah i found <laughs> this ranking from sportsnet in like november yeah, he was ranked like 23rd and Alawson is ranked 24th. Very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Like, I didn't know that he was that highly regarded. Like, he was on Bob's list at midseason in like the 90s. Um, that was a long time ago. And uh, I think, think that one was April, but 
I guess what the story with him is, is that he went to the USHL. Like, he's a WHL kid. And he played in Portland. He had a really good year. And he had a lot of hype on him going into his draft year. And then, obviously, we know that um, the leagues weren't in complete disarray. And he had to find, he found somewhere to play. And I guess he played in the USHL and did not do well there. And it completely killed his draft stock. So and that then, was it. That was the red flag. It wasn't. That was. Yep. I mean, that's not. I don't know. That's we. It's we know unfair, how the USHL right? kind of yeah. stunts offense, exactly. especially compared to someplace like the WHL, where you're you're scoring quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's what it all was. He wasn't able to show his skill, his talent. Um, supposedly he was on the third line there, and WHL he plays in the top six. And it completely killed his draft stock. He went back to the WHL for six games, and he scored four points in six games. So it's not like his game had left him. And I was looking at one thing. Like, he went to Portland's camp before he came to Colorado. He had, like, a hat trick in whatever event they had up there. I'm like, yeah, this kid's going to light it up in WHL when he goes back. And there were his profile was in the black book, and they were very lukewarm on him but there were quotes from scouts saying they thought of him as a first rounder a second rounder that even at the end after he disappointed in the ushl that there were several scouts that mentioned they still would probably draft him at the end of the draft so knowing all these things the abs better sign him if they have any interest in him because he's going to go to the whl he's going to produce again and he's going to get drafted well, especially yeah, if he and, comes into into this camp and to the, the rookie showcase games that we're going to get into, and then even into NHL training camp, and I don't know, like, whether uh, is it even possible for him to play in an exhibition game? I don't even know. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. So, so absolutely. He, so he may play on Tuesday. Who knows? Um, he might. But but that means that other like other amateur and even am, other pro scouts are going to see this guy at in an NHL environment. It's so yeah. yeah, absolutely. He scored in the rookie showcase. He scored a really nice power play goal. You don't think dozens of guys made that note <laughs> that because uh, I didn't I didn't know that he was that highly regarded. Like, I just thought, OK, the kids from Denver, you know, a lot of our Klippensteins from the WHL. Like, I thought this was more of a deep dive. And then when I found out he had even first round hype on him at some point, like every single team knows who this kid is. Yeah. So if you're so. interested in Job, you better lock him down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and he's been good enough for an ELC. I'm not going to say he's been amazing, but you you bring the kid in and, and he showed his talent. And and the only thing he did wrong was just not play well in a really crappy league. <laughs> it's just, it might be worth it. <laughs> it, it sounds like maybe guess, the size might be a knock too. He, he is a little small. I wouldn't say he's tiny. He is slight. Yeah. He's I mean, not he's the tall. He's just, kid, but he's like Tyler Weiss. I mean, he's just a, a waif. So he's tall and he's one fifty. Yeah, I think he's, he's like six foot. Yeah, I think the size is fine. I don't like he's bigger than. Yeah, I mean, the abs, I'm sure, <laughs> you know, through whatever whatever they were able to do in place of the combine, they they probably have a good idea what he will develop into as far as frame size and whatever, and they can project, you know, it's like, is he going to be 160 max or, you know, maybe uh, more than that or whatever. I mean, I, I feel confident that they know kind of where he'd be at 20 
at least that way. Um, I think I think you'd be big enough for viability. Yeah. Um, and what what the Avs have to weigh is is you're going to sign him. He's definitely going to go back and slide for a year, and then maybe another year as well. Because I mean, it, it'll either be NHL or back to the WHL again next year. Yeah, because he's not going to be eligible for the Jean Luc Foodie exception, which we'll also right. mention later. Um, so it's you're basically getting a five year contract when you sign him, and it's just I know they have long term commitment issues sometimes, so. <laughs> I know, I know they hate, they would hate to slide a contract for two years, but it's if you're going to play this game and use it as a strategy to bolster your prospect pool, you, you have to be willing to pull the trigger because, like I said, I he's going to get drafted somewhere. Maybe not high, but he's going to produce in the WHL and someone's going to take him. Um, I mean, worst case scenario is Ty Lewis again, which I said, you know, I hate giving ELCs out and then ha- watching these guys just rot away in Utah, but you got to sign somebody. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I, this is, this is one of those things that if you're confident in your decision, you know, you do it. Um, Cause it's just, it's not contact. a situation that's going to come up again. Right. And apparently they contacted him right after the draft. Like he was on the list. So interesting. So we were watching Job. We were watching Oscar Olafson. Who else were we watching in some of these early days? Um, well, I want to take it back to what I was trying to say was okay. um, Do it. about. <laughs> well, we'll see if your internet drops again. And if, if it yeah. does, this is a cursed topic and you're not allowed. Exactly. Exactly. I'll try again. This is it. Um, about how they had development camp before the the rookie tournament and how that was different because usually they only have time for one practice day before they have to travel to where they go to the rookie tournament. So you haven't heard any of this part, right? Okay. Nope. This is all new. No. All right. So um, I found it interesting that the NHL allowed them to add on a week of what was considered development camp, which is typically in the summer, as we know, and um, they weren't able to do it with, uh, probably the uncertainty and the late draft and everything. And so, uh, you know, usually it's the one in the summer is nice because you get your college kids to come and um, it is more of an introduction, a, a little bit less stress and it gets people them more comfortable when they come back for rookie camp. And I feel like this one was definitely more of an evaluation than a introduction type thing, but it was still nice to have, them do more than just one practice and right into the rookie showcase. They were able to do some more development camp stuff, some skill work with Sean Allard and some of the skating and, and everything. So it was really nice to have a few days of that. I did watch a whole day of drills and a practice. And then it culminated with the three on three at the end of, of what they were calling development camp. And I think Vlad was there too. Correct. We were there on Twitch. Yes, and it, he had a, a Twitch stream for us, which was awesome, since the abs don't seem to think that anyone wants to watch this. But it yes, was I really was there. Neat. Sorry. Yeah, let's, let's put <laughs> a pause on our nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> let's put a pause on our nonsense just, just to talk about the Twitch um, thing that Vlad has gotten going. I think this is replacing uh, either the YouTube stream or the Periscope stream that you had been doing. 
Uh, this is uh, taking over for Periscope. So the Twitch, our Periscope Twitch channel died, is right? going to... I'm sorry? Did Periscope die? Uh, Periscope is dead. Uh, Twitter discontinued it in March of this year. Okay. So, That's what I thought. Uh, since nobody was at the arena to you know, see games there anyway until April. <laughs> there was, it didn't really serve much of a, it didn't really serve us too well. There there were some interesting uh, engagements that we had on the Periscope channel from time to time, but it didn't have the same sort of reach that our YouTube channel did you know, back in its heyday. So now that the landscape is uh, changing to something where Twitch is, a little more mainstream i made the decision to go ahead and just uh make the pivot and get us there into the twitch universe and see where things lead from there so when the three gun three came around i thought this would be a perfect opportunity to try to see how this landscape operates so that was also my first introduction to a lot of these uh, rookies and these invites for the rookie showcase and these these signees that we've been talking about. So I wanted to get familiar with who these kids were and learn well what is a foodie, other than just somebody <laughs> who likes a lot of food. So <laughs> so I wanted to le- I wanted to learn about who these these guys were. I of course know who an Alex Newhook is. I know what a Bowen Byram is. I didn't know that today because I was tired, but. <laughs> I, I wanted to, you know, start learning about who these guys could possibly be. So seeing it in the three on three, which then became a four on four, which uh, nobody had ever explained why. Which I, I don't know. I think that... it was probably just to get more <laughs> bodies to look at. That's that's the only logical thing that I can come up with. I mean, the four and four was fine. It's just, how do you decide that at the last minute? I don't know. It's... You yeah. wanted to. Before we get into <laughs> what exactly happened here, let's tell the people where you can find us on Twitch. Uh, Twitch.tv backslash blog. It's the same handle as our Twitter account. Perfect. And, and then, uh, yeah, Vlad also streamed a little bit of the camp today, so that was really cool, especially since this is... The- the day I didn't go, but um, uh, going back to the game, I thought it was neat because they had that game a couple times and it was in Fort Collins, and it's sort of like the culmination of developing camp because they don't really scrimmage. So it's nice to see a game, and it's cool that they all wore like the jerseys and they try to make it as much of like a game type feel, like even come out for warm up. And so it's it's kind of neat to get a little bit of that game vibe, and then I think it puts the the fans into it. There was a fair number of fans there for it being Family Sports Center. So yeah, and it, I was, thought it, it was very crowded. And it was fun because I think everybody showed a little bit of what they are. Like Bo had the puck the whole time and Bocage scored like this big goal. And, you know, just like all of the main prospects all kind of did something that was to their identity. So it's just really neat to see that in like a game atmosphere. And um, so it was a nice little cap to the end of what they were calling development camp and then they moved into the more rookie camp slash rookie showcase portion of of their week did you just go away again no 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 i'm oh, good okay that that sounded exactly sorry. like how it sounds when you disappear so i just wanted to okay. check sorry yeah 
Well, the last time it was in the middle of a word, so it was a little bit more obvious. <laughs> no, I try and keep it short because yeah, I don't, I don't want to get rolling and then find out I'm gone. It's like, oh, damn it. So for those of you who may not know, the Rookie Showcase has a little bit of a whack kind of format where they they present it like a tournament, but they refuse to declare a winner. Um, there there's no like point system or anything, so you kind of have to like. It's a it's supposed to be a competitive thing, but there's not actually competition outside of each game. I don't know. Yeah, it's not like they make a bracket and where at some point you you play off and you eliminate a team. No, you just play three other teams and that's it. But like you don't even crown a winner on aggregate. Like it's just there's just games. Yeah. Well, the team that thinks they won definitely because when the Avs quote unquote won the very very first one they had, oh yeah, they advertised that. <laughs> <laughs> we won the event that does not keep score <laughs> so how many games who did they play talk about it uh they played three they played all the california teams all of our old favorite foes so they started with la and then anna and ended with san jose i don't know if you want to talk about each game in particular, just more as a whole. Nah, I don't think we need to get into individual games here. Because, I mean, the, the purpose of the showcase is obviously not to win, or they would keep score. <laughs> of, they, they, they would keep a, a game score, other than the score of the game. Uh, words are hard, folks. Um, so just, like, the purpose is to show off, you know, here's how I am as a player, and why you should bring me up further into your system. So... There, uh, there was anybody in this event from Alex Newhook to Job. So, that like we mentioned earlier, it was interesting to have the ability to uh, compare and contrast where some of these guys are. So, what did you see? Um, how how dependable was what you saw based on like the feed and stuff? And like, what did you see? Yeah, I do like that that basically every NHL team has their rookies play any it's either a larger group or a smaller group but one way or the other like they've decided that it is good to see your prospects in a competition setting against their peers from other teams so that part is really neat like they they started against LA and they got shut out four to nothing in that one oops um I think a, a big part of it was that LA had a lot of their kids that were in the AHL together last year so um our kids yeah that was like playing half the ontario rain from last year so <laughs> yeah definitely playing a very polished and group that's familiar with each other and um plays good system hockey and, and they had good goaltending so i think our our rookies did okay in that probably started a little slow i think byron was definitely the best player in that like he had the puck all the time like i love how and i, I know if you've only ever seen him in the NHL, you don't see like he has this level he gets to like, he can flip the switch and he like tries to make things happen. He can play so aggressive. And yeah. He, he was, was like F one a lot of the time <laughs> in that game. <laughs> he, he was like trying to make something happen. And so it was just fun. Like, I, I love that part of him. Like, I know he can't play like that all the time and we'll see how much he can do it in the NHL, but he just he has that ability to be like a special special player so i think that was the best part of game one and obviously you know goals to celebrate but you know the the score sounded bad but i don't think it was like 
they just got completely run over. Plus, I think Ananen was a little – he was okay. He was the one that started that game, and he kind of had I mean, it. He made 43 saves. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot yeah, of saves. That is. <laughs> it was a tough draw for them to, to start the tournament. And then the second game was against the Ducks. Your favorite, Steph. <laughs> the Ducks. Yeah, of course. My, uh, yeah. The team that I um, would definitely launch into the sun if I had to pick one. And this, and this one was definitely the best game, the most interesting, the most competitive. Um, that, uh, I forgot how it started. I did, did the abs score first and then they had a lead and Anaheim came back and then they forced overtime and the abs won in overtime on a power play. Um, Baron drew the penalty and then the first unit and with Byram scoring the goal. So that was super cool to like win it that way. Um, yeah. Talk to the people about Justin Barron because I've been hearing his name oh, hearing. I've been reading his name on Twitter a lot in the last few days. So talk, talk to the people about Justin Barron and what he's been able to, to, to show in these events. He's like a solid. I think he's been really kid. good. Yeah. I, yeah. We all like him because he was so good in the AHL when he came at the end of the year. Like he, he was really good. It's, he's got sort of, uh, well, Bednar said that his game was pretty mature. He's got sort of this polish in his game. He's, maybe more of like a Timmons in a little bit of a different way. He's, I think people think he's going to have a little bit more offense in the NHL than I do, but uh, he's just going to be a really, he's a good puck mover. He's a big guy. He kind of reminds me of Graves actually. And some people might think that's not good, but I mean, Graves is an NHL player. And, um, and Bednar was very complimentary of him the other day and actually compared him to Devon Taves, um, which, you know, that'd be awesome. Um, but just in that sort of steadiness that he has, he's, he's kind of like Byram in that he's very calm with the puck in situations where a lot of people are not calm. Um, and I, I think, I think he's going to end up getting some NHL time. I know Jackie's a little more skeptical on this, but, I, I think the fact that the Avs only really have two right-handed defensemen um, and, and they do like sort of having a right-left combo that might sort of put a little bit more in his favor for getting a call-up. Um, that well, plus, he seems to have a fan in his corner in, in Jared Bednar. Well, sure, that helps too. We've, we've heard I, that right. before. Yeah. Right, <laughs> and it's, you know, it could be another Bauer situation. I mean, they're both from Halifax, so... Um, well, so but McEwen just... missing camp. He's he's the AHL right hander. Yeah. Is and he missed That's camp possible. because of COVID. Oops. He got the Rona. Unfortunate. Um. So if you want <clears throat> to keep an eye out for Justin Barron, like either if you're gonna walk into the, is there another day of camp? If you're gonna walk into the the last day well, of camp. Monday, technically, but. I mean, every day they practice is basically camp. <laughs> yeah, true. So if you're gonna walk into a public practice or check out um, one of the streams on our on Twitch.tv/AvsBRblog, or if you're going to tune into a preseason game if they ever find themselves on TV, more on that later. Um, you're gonna look for number seventy-two. That's Justin Barron. He has taken Jonas Donskoy's old number. 
I didn't even really think about that. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't like the 70s numbers. It's you know, it yeah. is a little weird. Yeah, we're not going to jump into but... that now. I just I just I pulled up the <laughs> uh, the numerical roster so that we can help people find the folks. Um, and if, if you're in the Burgundy Review Discord, you can find that pinned in the whatever we're calling the game day thread at a current time. But I think if you want me a comment about his game overall, I think he's been like on a steady incline. I thought development camp, he was, and it's not necessarily a bad thing to see guys have a little bit of rough, rough time in development camp because it also means they're trying. It means they're pushing themselves and getting into uncomfortable positions. And you don't necessarily want to see some guy, especially the younger guys, really cruise through development camp. So I thought he was maybe a little bit rougher in that portion, but that's okay. Because I think he's improved every single day. And he was good in the, the rookie games. And then he's certainly going to get a few preseason games. So it's been good overall for him. And then... Um, uh, just to finish up about the games, I guess if you wanted to find a winner of the showcase, it was Anaheim. Uh, apparently, they haven't lost a game of regulation in three years at the rookie showcase. So the fact that the Avs were able to come to have a really competitive game against them and win in overtime, if you're looking for any sort of competitive brownie points, it's that. <laughs> Results not indicative of future play. <laughs> and then um... past results not indicative of future performance. Um, because <laughs> so the impression that I've got as someone who doesn't watch these games is that the first two games are a lot bigger deal than the third game. Yeah, well, there's always one game where oh. they they they're not going to play guys like Byram and Newhook every single game, and that's how it even was two years ago. So everybody played the first game, pretty much everybody played the second, and the third was certainly the, the more the, the leftovers. Let's win. Byram Newhook, Sampo, and Bowers didn't all play, and basically, like, Wingerly was, was their top forward, and, but hey, they still won. They beat the Sharks. I forget what the score was to that game. It was definitely seven not, to four. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not the most interesting seven to four, but normal score. Um, and Trent, I should also mention Trent Miner was the goaltender against Anaheim. I thought I actually like Miner, but he did fall apart a little bit at the end. Um, yeah, he played a great fifty-eight and a half minutes in that game. <laughs> oh. I, I think. Um. I, I think kind of the defense let him down, but there were definitely some goalie errors involved as well. Um, it just basically everything fell apart when, when Anaheim went six on five and last minute you know. adventures. Yeah. They'll fit right I, in. But I, I, I think if you take, I think if you take Ananin's performance against Los Angeles, yeah, it's, I mean, he saved 43 out of 47. I guess that's okay. I mean, it's a nine fifteen. Um, you know, minor faced a lot more quality and only really had that slip up at the end. So I, I think both those guys probably came out of that tournament looking pretty good in the, the coaching staff's eyes. And I Peyton mean, Jones I, played I, the third game yeah. and, you know, it was a joke. He did and, okay, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean... He didn't get invited to camp, which I don't think it was like a total, you're cut. I, I just think they liked having three goaltenders in each group. Right. Yeah, and that made more sense. But to me, I I take Miner seriously. I think of him as sort of on the same plane as Annan, and I know that horrifies some people because Annan was like 
the real prospect and Miner isn't. But hey, I'm just going by what they've shown, and I I think they're fairly even. Yeah, I would agree. Because and it's it's going to be interesting to see how they deal with both of those guys you know, needing competitive minutes this year, and and how they sort of how they rack the goalies and and how they distribute time in the minors. Well, they've already kind of started doing that in camp. Uh, maybe maybe Jackie and Vlad can speak to this. I know I've seen Evan mentioning that um, if if anybody's getting extra work with goaltending coaches, it's always used to used to Sandinen. Um, getting this doing the extra drills with with developmental staff. Um, so I mean, all of the there now that we have, and this is foreshadowing for another segment, we have more goalie coaches. Um, it, it's fairly easy for each guy to get a lot of work. I know during the the development camp, you had UC Parkila there, you had Ryan Bach there, you had Peter Budai, who's a, a new goaltending consultant for the Avs. Yeah, welcome back, Peter Budai. Right. So it's like you basically had one-on-one coaching during uh, development camp and, and, you know, with the way the groups are split up, they can kind of do the same thing if they want to. Well, if, if you look at who's in each group, which I know we'll talk a little bit more about the groups in general later, but you have in group one is Kemper, um, Anandin, and Minor. So if you're going to call goalies one and two in that group, you've got Kemper and Anandin. And then in the second group, you have Frank and, and then you have uh, Jojo and um, Miska. So then, so then you have, you know, obviously the two that get the most attention are going to be Brand Susan Johansson. So the fact that Annan is like, you could say, quote unquote, second in his group, then he does get a little bit more, I don't know what I want to say, favor, but attention, I guess you could say. Like he's not the last guy in his group or anything like that. And, yeah, we'll see how they there. split it up in preseason. I know in the past that Benner really likes to play his NHL guys in preseason. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Francis starts two and Kemper starts two. So then it leaves two other games. JoJo will probably get one. And then my guess is just Annan and Minor will split the very first game. Is my would be my guess of how that's going to go. We'll see. Um, yeah. are, are we about ready to kind of move on from the rookie showcase stuff and get into camp proper? Um, I guess uh, for the most part, but there's been a lot of talk about Bowers and his performance in that Anaheim game. And I guess my question to Earl would be, how much do you think that matters? I think it matters if he backs it up in in main camp, which it sounds like to a degree he has, and, and you guys can speak more to that than, you know, than I can. Um, but it, it, it's definitely better than coming out of there with no points and nothing to show. Um, he was put in a leadership position there and, and, and kind of held up his end of the bargain. And I, I think a lot of people have had a lot of positive things to say about his camp so far. So you know, I, I think this is what he needed to do. Yeah, I agree. It's it's certainly better to have a good day than not have any. <laughs> but preseason is just going to be huge for guys like him and Cowden. We'll get to that. So, so yeah, with that, I, th- I think we can move on to 
main training camp. All right, well, let's let's take a quick break before we do that to talk about ball shavers. No, we're we're not doing that. We're gonna talk about Logan O'Connor, who just got a three year extension, uh, one point zero five million dollars annually. And if you've been, if if you pay attention, you're going, wait a minute, Steph, he, that, that's not a player whose contract was ending this summer. No, it's not. This is a three-year extension that kicks in next year. Yeah, since he was on a two-year deal, they could do it this summer rather than wait till January. Um, I think it's a, uh, my first reaction was it's kind of weird. And we've always said, like, you don't give term to bottom sixers or role players. Um, but I, I think around the league, it's kind of changing. And then that's forcing teams like the Avs that maybe didn't want to do that to say, you know, I, I'd rather sign Logan O'Connor to a, a three by $1.05 million contract right now than, than have to worry about uh, scanning the, the free agent lists to, to fill holes in, in the bottom of the lineup and then a year or two or whatever it ends up being. Um, well, signing him I, is one I, thing. Three years is another. Like, It's weird, yeah. That's I mean, <laughs> kind of the weird part. Like, it, if they just got a one- or two-year extension, but you start talking about... I mean, three, what's I the mean, point, then? The number of players the Avs have even given a three-year extension to is a very short list to begin with. Like, this feels a lot like the Nick Holden extension, which... To be fair, the guy did have value, and they were able to trade him for something. And but Holden's it just feels yeah, like a fine player too. Like he's okay. He is, yeah. But that was when Wall was handing out extensions left and right from the Miracle Team. It just feels like something that's more influenced out of love than necessarily like a real something that say the analytics guys would have come up with I mean, as, as a great financial strategy. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason to think that, that O'Connor can't handle this. I mean, he, he is a great skater. Um, his finishing ability is, is kind of lacking, but he does get the puck to the net a lot on breakaway situations. Um, he's a good floor well, checker and things like that, but it's just, he's, his track record is, is, about a half a season's worth of games in the NHL. And so... Yeah, he played it, it's, as many games kinda... as Byram last year. Like He has 43 career games over spread over three years. So right. he is not NHL proven. And like, like you said, I have full faith that he's going to continue to do those things, be a great skater, great fork checker, etc. But he hasn't been a regular... He hasn't been first unit penalty kill, which that's probably really what's going to make or break this. Like if he has that role, he can continue to do that role for years to come. That's great. But he hasn't done it. You don't know what he looks like as a regular. And it's not that I'm worried because he is who he is and it's very obvious. But guys that are primarily used for energy purposes, you don't know how they're going to hold up. Guys can't play balls to the wall like that every single day, day in, day out for 82 games. That is a lot to expect of anybody. The only, right, and we the saw only that player last we've year. ever seen actually do that, sorry to, to stomp on you here, but this is I think this is actually an important comparison to make. The only player that we've seen have no off switch from beginning to end is Matt Calvert. 
And um, it took a good couple years for people to really buy into it. A lot of that was the heart and soul that that he got hit in the head. You know, a lot of that was, is why people love Calvert, but he had his limitations and his shortcomings too. Yeah. And, Lots of them. And that's where I kind of think this is a, a similar kind of thing to citing Matt Calvert for three years, except for we know who Matt Calvert is in the NHL, and we only think we know who Logan O'Connor is in the NHL. The, and yeah, yeah, but we, we signed him USA for a lot less and... than what we signed Matt Calvert for. And I, right. I think that's part of what the Avs are thinking. They're like, if we have another Matt Calvert here, we got him for, you know, 40% of what we were paying. I don't see a downside because, as a lot of people have said, it's an easily buryable. I know the buried amount keeps going up every year. By Maybe by then it would be 100% buryable. It is right, right now. It's 1.05 is the bury. Oh, okay, is it? All right. Um, so that's so okay, but it's not necessarily about money. It's, it's like a guy that they are done with. They do not want it hanging around for three more years. But that's not really what it's about. I don't necessarily see the upside. Like, I don't think he's going to score that much. Like, is he? was he going to be a tough guy to sign this summer? I don't know. I mean... I have talked a lot about how they have very few players signed for next year, especially forwards. I do believe in cost certainty. It's something you could put in pen and be done with it. I just think the three years is a little on the silly side, but yeah, the the upside is it's one point oh five million, um, and that that's very easy to fit into to your uh, structure, TM, especially as you're looking for you know. A new contract for Nathan McKinnon is on the horizon. Um, you're you're going to need guys on ELC level money, and that is roughly ELC level money. So uh, it you, is. You, you've got somebody that you think you know what he is, and if it turns out that he's not, you can bury the whole thing in the A, and you know he's good enough to play in the A. You, you know you're not going to be upset if he's there. So that's that's where I feel like there's there's no downside. Is is why I went from. Like my my gut reaction to this deal was quit giving term to depth players, um, <laughs> like come on. Um, but with a little bit of processing, it's just like yeah, okay. There's there's not really a lot of a downside here, and and the upside is that he is a guy who's a competent bum in the NHL, meaning he doesn't hurt you, which a lot of teams have guys who hurt you. Um, so that that's his, his going to be his role is to while he's on the ice for his eight minutes a night to send the puck in the correct direction. And he's also got some, that that's worth it. He's also got some, yeah. And he's also got some leadership qualities. Like you've, you've heard some of the kids in the rookie tournament mention that they either talked to him or texted with him during the tournament. Oh yeah. I Uh, mean, I like him. I, I don't dislike the guy at all. Like it, I agree. You need guys like him. You need them homegrown. I'd, argue that one a little bit but um yeah it's better than going out and getting some he's played in colorado his entire adult there. life <laughs> very homegrown but <laughs> i just personally i would have waited and at least seen what he looks like in the role that they're envisioning for him yes that, that's as my only NHL regular as top unit penalty kill i it's just funny because what if that doubles so, his salary it won't i mean if he if he's <laughs> if he's putting the puck I'm in the net to that level, that's probably what they're thinking. Like you know, we could be ending ending up looking at like one point seven five or something like that Wait, is instead that really of that. I, I you know, we know how they are with their 
pennies. So, <laughs> well, it's just so funny because to me, this is a lot more. Lo I don't know, a lot less conservative than they are about a whole lot of other things, which I think is a little strange. Which is why I feel like there is a lot of love baked into this one. But <laughs> at the end of the day, is it a problem? No, but yeah. I mean, it, it's true. There's a little bit more risk here just because of the length of the deal. But you can buy, you can bury all of it right now. So, well, consider the alternative. I mean, for the next three years, this is one roster spot they've locked up at a decent price that so they don't have to look outside to fill. And well, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. well, it's one for sure. And for me personally, with all due respect to Happy Trails, Pierre Edvard Belmar, I would rather them invest in a Logan O'Connor than give that three-year extension, regardless of what the, the cost is, to a Belmar or to a Calvert, if, if healthy. Somebody on, that's further on that end of the spectrum. At least yeah. with an O'Connor, yes, we, we don't know what he fully is yet, but at this point, there's enough that they've seen in his handful of games to say, well, let's see what we can do with this for three years at a yeah, he, I mean, decent cost. And he won't even be 30 when this contract ends. You don't really want 30-year-old fourth liners? I don't. No, you don't. <laughs> I know I don't. <laughs> Of course, Pierre Edward Belmar. Speaking the voice, he like he got two years at Tampa, so somebody well, has yeah. some value there. Too. Yeah, it's true. I love old teams there. Um, but yeah, it's 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 not a hundred percent positive for me. I would have liked to see this deal come down in December or January. Um, but or if, a year shorter. But yes, or at the end shorter. of the day, this isn't. I know. I get it. Like this, they're gonna have way bigger problems than this. Yeah, but this, that's this just is, my feelings on it. Yeah. This is a solid B for me. And it it could be that I'm Boo Boo the Fool and it's going to turn into an A. We'll find out later on. Um, so training camp proper got underway on, I think, Thursday. Is that right? On the ice, yeah. Yes. So, oh boy. What's, what's going on with camp? Let's, we've alluded to weird, wacky group imbalances like 400 times. Let's get, in, let's get right into that and talk about it. Yeah, so they I mean, any, gr any group that has the top line on it is going to be imbalanced because there's just no, there's no counter to that on any team in the league. So you're starting with that, but it, they kind of built on it, let's say. Yeah, so there's two groups, um, and this is fairly typical for them. They, this is what they tend to do. Um, Bednar has always run his camps where he, he separates everyone into lines and into pairs. Some drills, you know, are more mix and match, but a lot of the drills, he's especially done a lot of five on five. So a lot of the drills do require pairs with, um, with lines and everything. So he's very deliberate about who's in which line. Um, so group one has the McKinnon line. Um, it has a new hook with uh, Jost and Comfer. Um, Fretline. <laughs> yeah, Fretline, like version 4.0 or whatever we're at right now. Stop it. Um, and uh, new hook is the center, at least for now, on that line. Uh, the third line in that group is um, Anisimov with uh, Sampo Ranta and Martin Kaut. 
Um, PTO signee Artem Anisimov. That's sort of like you could get the vibe that's the on the bubble kind of line, and and of course we'll learn more about this as we see what they do in actual preseason. But you can kind of see their thinking there, and then it's Bowers with Foodie and God, I forget the other one, Wingerly. And after you know, um, Bowers having the good rookie camp, and I would have wanted to see him more on an NHL line. Like, if they're really going to take that serious rather than that's clearly an AHL line, I don't think Wingerly's going to make the team. I think he absolutely is going to get called up at some point, but he's, I don't think he's in serious consideration to make this team. So, to me, that's a clear AHL line. And then your, your fifth line is the, the tryouts, the kids. I don't even remember who's, who's on that one. I think O'Brien, no. No, Brian's in Bo's group. It's Tardif, Fontaine, know. and uh, Kaslik. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, <laughs> it's a bunch of dudes. Um, yeah. Bunch of guys. Not, so, yeah. Not as relevant. I'm so just going to go ahead and, and mention right now that I'm not surprised that the AHL apparent line has Shane Bowers on it because, if, as you know, if you have, are on our Discord <laughs> at all, they're not calling up Shane Bowers. They are but not calling that... up Shane Bowers. That would be a shame. We'll see. Like I said, preseason will give them, give us some other data points here. But yes, if you're taking Shane Bowers serious as an NHL bubble player, he should be practicing with NHL players. <laughs> um, then group two is okay. And then the defense. So you have uh, Gerard and Makar on group one. Kale Makar in a no contact jersey, by the way. Surprise! <laughs> oh, yeah. We forgot to tell you that. <laughs> he looks fine. I guess it really is precautionary. But like you said, Steph, on Discord, until he plays in an actual game, it's all just talk, right? Yeah. The, every yeah. On, on this team, this is one of the things that burned me out the most in my time doing this goddamn show. This team will tell you nothing. You have to do... So much extra, extra work yep. to figure out the tiniest things. Devon Taves... Day to day for four months. <laughs> Devon Taves had surgery in the offseason. We found that out when camp started. Pablo Franco's had the Varley surgery early last year, and they played this fucking game with us all season. Oh, he could play next week. We don't know. He had season-ending surgery, for fuck's sake. <laughs> And it was so early that he was actually pretty much ready if they made the finals. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, for crying out loud. It... And it's to be like, oh, you to, so we could, so other teams didn't have leverage on us at a trade. It was like, they have eyes. They know what's going on. The, like... They see <laughs> that you have picked up Jonas Johansson and Devin Dubnik. Come on. Um... <laughs> But yeah, that's, I've said this a few times. The Avalanche have one ideal fan that they want to follow them. It's someone who comes to every game and watches every road game. And while those aren't happening, brain off. Not interested. They're doing something other than hockey. Well, obviously they don't care if people watch them on TV. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, they want Oh, the did people... I just say that? <laughs> Out loud? <laughs> To like their pictures on social media. Oh yeah, that's very important. You, you have to like their tweets and whatever yeah. you do on Instagram. I'm not on Instagram. I don't know. 
Yeah, there's a like <laughs> on Instagram. But um Yeah, and be super you're right, and be super into the team and love all the guys and then when they're off the ice and when they're not at practice to just not care what happens to any of them. It's the same thing with the prospects. Like I love the whole, everyone expects them to play in year one. Like, no, that's not what we expect. We expect them to not vanish. We expect them to, at some point, be NHL players. That's what we expect. And and we like to drive home that rookies have to earn their ice time, which, which means that the, counter argument is veterans don't yeah which is which is what uh ryan murphy said on our uh discord the other day that i thought really summed it all up very nicely is veterans do not have to earn their ice time sometimes um they already have earned it and the definition of veteran (laughs) is a little bit loose at times as well so anyway yeah this is all to say that kale mccarr was in a no contact jersey alongside his uh his partner sam gerard there yeah, and Taze we did see in the captain's gate, which is another funny point, is if you are being so sneaky, but yet you know that he's skating out there in public a week before camp and the red no contact, and we're like, huh, that's different. But yeah, anyway. So back to group one, um, and then it's Baron with uh, our new best friend, Curtis McDermott. Big McLarge and it's like poor Baron if they have to play I mean that he would have to babysit and cover if if they play in a preseason game together, but we'll see. Um I don't remember the other pairs. I don't remember Murray like, and Jack Johnson. Okay, are they together in that group? I think yeah. they are. Yeah, that's our other PTO that the abs picked up, Jack Johnson. Yes, that one. I think Soon. they've looked okay. Like, he's looked okay. They've looked okay together. It, they probably will play together. I think they're totally signing Johnson, unless he just is absolutely terrible in these preseason games. But I think he brings, like, what a Nemeth brings. That's what they want. They want a big guy, veterans, played forever, blocks a few shots, can PK. Like, that. He's a big, he, heavy game. And he's going to do that. And unless he just looks. So slow he can't keep up. I think he's looked okay, so I don't know. We'll see. I have um, felt very personally slighted by this um, because Eric Johnson is back and looks great and healthy and himself in, in camp. And he is not skating next to Jack Johnson. Hello? <laughs> <laughs> Give me my memes, please. Well, I, I, you're forgetting the Columbus Blue Jackets corollary. So both those guys played for the Jackets oh, together. Oh, and you're right. So you put I, them Murray together. And mentioned it almost like, boy, what a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> we played together for a few years in Columbus. The Columbus connection. So, so that's group one. So, um, obviously a lot of really strong players there. And also Justin Barron skating alongside Big McLarge Huge. So that that's interesting to me. Who is in the second group? Uh, the second group starts with the Kadri Burakovsky line with Chushkin. So that's like your top line of that group. Pause. Second group. Let's let's talk briefly about this because Benar has talked about Nachushkin on the second line in, in his, I love it in, in the press conferences. <laughs> uh, I I think they look fine together. They they definitely don't have like that dynamic pop that like the McKinnon line does but yeah what well, I mean what can you expect really they better look we've seen this together. before <laughs> it's camp yeah I mean they're I mean, fine they're veterans they know what they're doing 
Yeah, but the thing is, is we know what it looks like in games, and and, and <laughs> to that point, we also know what Jost and Comfort look together. You know, from the last five years. <laughs> you know, even if you put Alex Newfoot in between them, credit to Ardvark for that. That is a great one. Um, yeah. <clears throat> that's I, I I think that those two lines are trouble. Well, I don't um, like that Bedner said several times that when he's asked about the guys that have departed, such as Don Skoy and Sod, that sort of plan A is, well, we're just going to ask more from Jost Comfer and Nichushkin. And it's like... Those are the guys <laughs> that you found good roles for, two of them. And, and Comfer. I mean, Comfer had a great role on the fourth line last year, I thought. <laughs> and, it, and it's like, if you could have expected more from any of those guys, it kind of would have already happened. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk I, mean, I think Jost can improve now that he's found a role. I think he can he can become better at what he was doing last year with Nachushkin. I, I I think that combo had legs. I think that was yeah. something that they could have built on. Yeah, if you let him do it. Right. I I get they're not ready to put Newhook on that line. Like I and think they don't want to put Comfer there. Oh, Rand correctly. That people, you know, the lineup looks better if you put Newhook on the second line and the, and he keeps up there. And I think it'll they're going to try it eventually, but I get why they're not doing that as plan A. But I don't really like plan A as, well, maybe Conference Jost will score more. I that's together, that's which they've never yeah. done. No, <laughs> they, they won't. And we're going to talk about uh, plenty about expectations, probably in another episode, but maybe today. Um, but just just to touch on it for a moment before we get into the rest of group two, this is one thing that I think should give us a little bit of pause. Um, obviously, the Avalanche roster has taken steps back since last season in not the most important areas. Because the most important areas are your, you know, your your top defenders, your top forwards, and your top goaltender, and we can probably argue that those are all either exactly the same or even slightly upgraded. Um, but your supporting pieces have have taken steps back, and that's given me a lot of pause on, you know, what should we ex- what should be a good reasonable expectation for the team's result this season, and and the second line to Chushkin is a good example of that. So who else I mean, is in group two? <laughs> just how tenacious do you think the JB is going to be with this? And and I'm not that worried about it right now because there have been times when we've seen lines like this in preseason or in camp even before the preseason game start, and then opening night something completely different happens. Um, yeah, but he doesn't go out and talk about how much he likes it if he doesn't want to try it. Well, and he also I, maybe said he's being really sly. That, I don't know. I mean, that there's a reason why they're starting with this. He he did say they have other ideas, but there's a reason why they're starting with this. And he is a very big practice guy. He likes to see it in practice. You know, like it matters to him that these guys are all practicing together. I, you know, I have less problem with Nuke up there because I do think that he has been effective on the second line at times. But the conference Joe's thing is just so bad. Like, well, that's the thing. So I, bad together. It's not like Nuke is just about the role. I don't necessarily have a problem with him with Burakovsky and Kadri. It's Jost and Comfort are bad together. <laughs> and always have been. Well, it's it's also, I mean, like for the lion's share of the second half of the season, 
and you know, for for a while in the playoffs, you had Jostin and Trushkin together, and they, I mean, they really created something special together as far as a good checking line. Um, you know that that you know they didn't generate a lot of scoring offense, but they did keep the puck in the offensive zone a lot. They gave teams something to think about, some problems. So they generated some scary chances. Yeah, Jost and... always does better with a guy that's good on the forecheck, like a heavier type of a forward like he was good with colin wilson that's why nuke can take a lot of that on comfort has shown that's one of his biggest drawbacks in his game the last couple years he he does not play a heavy game he also makes everyone worse and that's bad (laughs) yeah there'll be time for that conversation some other time (laughs) we need to keep moving (laughs) and also that group too, you have what looks like a, a solid fourth, fourth line and, and Helm, Maltsev, and O'Connor. Um, I think they've been okay. I think uh, you know when Bednar commented that Group One just played with so much more pace and were executing better than the second group. I think that was a comment that you could read into that fourth line because they did get talked to quite a bit and I don't none of the talking to seemed like you know chewing out or it was just Benar wants to stop and teach and explain and it was that vibe but then when you have to do that a few times to a bunch of guys that are considered you know NHL regulars I think there should be a little bit of concern there um, yeah, I mean, Maltsev and O'Connor really don't have a lot of experience, as we just went through with O'Connor's contract discussion. But and then Helm and, has and, never played for another organization ever, so right. And McCann and, Maltsev and is new too, right? Yeah. So it, it, this, I, I do think that this is a fourth line that that you'd like to work, and on paper it would seem to work. It, it's just going to take probably more time than we'd like to see for it to, to really gel. I mean, I, I think this is something that probably by like November, um, we're going to be like, okay, you know, this is fun. Hopefully. And this, this is probably one where Benner is going to have some other ideas how to mix and match. Um, but if, if we're talking about the, the difference between the two groups, sort of the discrepancy is in group two, it should have been like the cadre line and then the, New Hook Joe's Confer line to sort of have your quote unquote lines two and three together, then you'd have the top line and then the fourth line. But you're you're definitely consciously, at least on the NHL side, sort of watering down the forward group when you have, you know, one and one and three, and then you have two and four. Like there's a huge difference there. Yeah. And then in the what I would call, you know, the two AHL lines, so so in the group two, the first is uh, Alausen with um, Sherwood and Secura, and they just haven't held a candle to what uh, Sampo and Cout have done in the other group, which is great because those are the guys we want Bednar to use instead of Sherwood and Secura. And I'd say thus far, the the kids are winning that battle and. You know, Lawson, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, his deficiencies and can he think the game well enough? I just think he's young. It's There's so much that he has to learn just about North America, English, 
his first NHL camp, like just a million of these things. I'm not down on his talent at all. I think he's had moments. And I think that's just what you want to see at this point. But, you know, other people have been a lot more critical of him. It's okay if he's not ready. Yeah, I've been pretty critical of him. I, I, I think Oscar's command of the English language is something that definitely hurt him in development camp at the, at the rookie tournament and, and probably continues through now. Um, and that's just something you hope a season in Barry, um, he'll get the tutoring he needs or just, you know, learn it through osmosis or however. Um, but that's, that's going to be something that he's going to need to, to build on. It, you know, he, he's not going to get by as well if he doesn't speak English better. Um, but it's, there, there are certain things I didn't like about his play, and they were kind of the things that, that from the scouting report that we heard around the draft that, you know, maybe were some bugaboos that he needed to work through, and that's your sort of soft play outside of the offensive zone and um, some things like that. And I mean, we did see some good things like, you know, he definitely has the knack for zone entries and carrying the puck. It just doesn't pass it to anybody when he gets in the zone, but you know, we can work on that too. If he shoots uh, it quickly, that's okay. Like he, there we go. Just bring it in and shoot it. That's it. Shoot it yeah. off the far pad. You're doing great. There you go. Like yeah. the games that I watched of him, he shoots a lot. So to me with him bringing it into the zone and doing nothing with it is like a confidence thing because the kid wants to shoot. He loves to shoot. Right, but sometimes you got to pass. Well, he sure, <laughs> but it's better than doing neither. <laughs> yeah, be- better than, right. the, than the John Mitchell take a lap and do nothing. Yeah, yeah, the Borna Rindulich take a lap around the zone and turn it over. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, it, it's early. For, I'm not down on his talent, but he, no. Um, yeah, the, yeah, the knock is never done. If we were thinking that Oscar was going to be close to the NHL anytime soon, then that I, I think that's something that we know is pushed back a little farther. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's going to be in the NHL until after after at least his second season in the organization. But I would Which like to okay. see what he's able to do in uh, in in preseason games that he's is allowed to draw into this year too. So um, he should get at least one, which is okay. But so they'll that, they'll send him to junior, and so it'll for, be fine. So but. for my own reference, and also for your reference, that's number twenty seven on your numerical yes. roster. So that, yes. that's who you're so that's like for line. Oh, oh. So that's like line three for the uh, second group. The, the fourth line is Bocage, Henry, and. Oh, I always forget the center on that line. Magna. Yeah, Magna. So that's an Eagles line. Tell us about the defenders. Definitely. Um, and then yeah, the fifth line is also the kids like O'Brien and others. Uh, so the top pair in this group is Byram and EJ, which is fun to see. So I mean, they're clearly the best pair in this group. I heard but, someone um, saying EJ was wearing a tinted visor. Has he? Got, yes. Got that yes. Going? Yes. We did get confirmation uh-uh. that when he landed on his head on the ice, that was a concussion. Yes. Yes, he did say that. Um, I think he's looked good. He it looks like EJ, the longtime veterans, you know, they know what to do and how also to kind of conserve a little bit of energy in, in camp. But he said he's excited when you miss that much time. It's You're a lot more excited for camp than you usually are, and that makes sense. And 
I think he's looked fine. I, I'm curious to see how many uh, preseason games he gets. Maybe a little bit more than the others just because he hasn't played that much. But I like him with Byram. I know a lot of people, you know, wish Byram was with, like, Sam or McCarr just because with Taze out, it's an opportunity for that. But I think what Byram needs is, like, a set role. And you know they're going to play EJ. Like, there's no question there. So if they're thought of as, like, a good pair, then it's easy to set and forget those two. And then you know with how they mix and match, there's going to be certain offensive situations where they're going to use Byram with with the other two, and that's cool. But for him to have like a regular job, a role, something they're comfortable with, something they know that works, and with somebody like EJ, I think is is the best idea for him at this point. Yeah, and I think playing with EJ allows him to be a little more focused on offense um, than he might be if he was playing with Makar or Sam. Um, just yeah, because definitely. EJ's, you know, he, he EJ's a good enough skater still that that he's going to be defensively responsible, and it's going to allow Byram to maybe play a little bit more offensively than we saw last year. Um, you know, and it, it I think it's just kind of cool that they probably bonded last year um, when they were both dealing with concussions and and going through some of the same things. So. They, they, uh, they seem to get along it. really well off the ice. Um, so it's, I don't know. I, I, I do like that pair. I, I don't know, you know, how long that's going to last, depending on what happens when tapes come back. But, um, you know, I do think that's something that could work long term. And it's funny. They both were kind of like out at the very beginning when Byron had a quarantine and EJ had COVID. They yeah. were kind of like the, the quarantine group. And then they even started together, like when EJ got hurt, they were on the ice together. So, um, and yeah, EJ did a lot, I think, for Sam at the very beginning of his career. And then I think Sam started to take over, but that pair, but um, yeah, I think it's good. I think Byron's look good. I mean, I, I know that I'm biased. I, I always think he's great, but I have tried to like, you know, really specifically watch him and and be honest about what he's doing. And as long as I he looks he's... healthy, that's all I want to hear. <laughs> he does. He he looks like himself. He's he's been aggressive. He's I mean, God, he even looks like a better skater. It's like ridiculous. Good. His skating. Oh. <laughs> Love just... to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. EJ think... compared him to Scott Niedermeyer the other day. <laughs> yeah, um, that happened. That'd be um, awesome. <laughs> so uh, unfortunately, um, I need to kind of start tugging us toward the finish line here. So let's move on to the rest of the defensive pairs in group two. Um, there's Denny Gilbert and Jacob McDonald on the next one. Honestly, nobody that I have even. If you if you have the list in front of you, I don't. But I I do not. I I'll, I had up yeah, the I, numbers, but I closed them so that I could open up our other like this this radio just, channel. Um, just nothing. Basically, nothing interesting. So all right, you know, like Clarman and Rob Hamilton. Who? You know, so <laughs> exactly. So it it's just interesting that just to like wrap up kind of like what they've done is like all the talented middle tier, you guess you could say like foodie and Bowers and Sambo and Cal are all in one group. And then in the second group, you just have like EJ Bo, and then the cadre line. So why did like, you could have balanced that more if you wanted to. So it's kind of interesting that they've yeah purposely done that. It's a little strange, but sure. <laughs> Very odd. Um, so th we we have 
gotten into a little bit of detail on maybe what they're thinking with Jack Johnson. Um, what are we seeing from from Artem Anisimov? Because when you don't sign guys to a PTO, if you're just like, well, we're just gonna sign them. Like you're obviously looking to see something. And uh, well, some people think that they're seriously just for like preseason fodder, and it's like, no, the Avs are way more deliberate than that. That that's not how this team works. Some teams do that to try to spare their stars from having to play so much because they can get some vet games that way. Um, but I I think what they're looking to see without Artem Anisimov is can he keep up. Um, with with the speed of this team, and at least in camp, it sounds like the answer to that has been no. Well, yeah, it's that's... tough because he the line that he's on is with Sambo and Cout, and and those two just they're kind of like running circles around what he's doing. And then you could say, is that a good thing because he's just in the center, he's not screwing up, and he's letting them to have the puck, which is what we want to see. But is that good enough to get him an NHL job? Yeah, I mean, my main question to you is going to be, do you see out of Anisimov and Jack Johnson, are they in Bednar shape? Um, Johnson does. Um, it, and for people that don't know, they have a conditioning skate. They did it after day one. They did it after day three. I didn't see it, but um, some of it was on Vlad's Twitch stream. Uh, and a lot of the new guys... Are, are usually the one the lesser ones in these groups like they just don't know in shape is not avalanche shape and you no. just have to be here to understand that but anisimov was slower Maltsev, um a lot of the new guys i think johnson actually did okay in his group so you don't necessarily need to win it you just want to be on par <laughs> you want you want to keep up you don't want to have evan making tweets about you that it looks like you just retired on the ice <laughs> yeah a, so, the tough thing is is like you can't catch up um and that's something we've seen with like zadorov when he was not in shape and he had to basically take two weeks off in the middle of the season to catch up and um you know if you're lagging now it's not going to get better um because the group is going to progress and progress and, and it, it, you're just never going to catch him so and like i've said with a lot of these guys we'll see in a game but um, if I had to say my definitive answer, I think Johnson is going to fit pretty good at what they want. Uh, and Isamov, it's harder to see what the role is at this point because they do have him with two other, the bubble player guys. Like he's not on that fourth line with like Helm, which would give you maybe a better idea of like, is this an NHL line? So at this point right now, I'd say it's real iffy on Isamov. I think they'll keep Johnson. The one new yeah, I mean, name that I wanted to make sure we spent time with that we haven't talked about at all yet um, before we move things forward is Ryan Murray. Um, he's hard to notice. I maybe expected a little bit just more individual skill. Um, but he's looked fine with Johnson. Those two have been paired together. Like I haven't, I haven't really seen anything one way or the other. Nothing really stand out, but not any sort of like horrifying moments and and I was happy with his signing, so I mean, I'm happy with what he's done so far. But just, just not a whole lot to go on one way or the other, which is fine. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking forward to see sort of what he looks like in a game. Um, you know, he he used to be a pretty a pretty potent offensive player. He's kind of lost his shot in the last few years, um, and that's fine. Uh, especially if he's going to end up on a third pair role. Uh, what I worry about is, 
can he be sort of more of a defensive guy than he was early in his career? Because that's kind of what they're asking of him. I think it's been okay so far, I guess. it's um, yeah. If that's his job, you're not going to see it in camp. Yeah, they, it's hard for the D to stand out unless you you can do things like, you know, Sam, McCarr, Byram, you know, with the puck. It's, it's really hard to have standout moments in camp. And they haven't gone, like, real hard into, like, battle drills and stuff like that when you can see that. They've done that more in the past that, than they're doing this year. This year, they really, really focusing on five-on-five. So I don't know if Bednar's come up with some new ideas. I'm not a system person. Maybe people that understand system more could could see if he's trying to implement something new because he just seems to be really focusing on that. Okay, so the, I think the only one real like kind of camp-related story left. Um, I mean, obviously we got Darcy Camper, but it's training camp and he's facing a lot of shots from non-NHLers. Um, would be that yeah, goalies just yeah, no. We'll, I'm not devaluating goalies and drills. Yeah, we'll we'll get to Darcy Camper later on. Um, not not today. Um, is the thing the only other camp story remaining is that um Brett Clark is no longer um with the Avalanche. Is it this season or is it period? I, I um, mean, he's no, gone. He would tell us. <laughs> so yeah. it's uh he's uh not uh followed the. COVID protocols apparently, and so no vaccination means that you are no longer uh, able to be on an NHL coaching staff. Well, but he wasn't NHL; he was AHL. So I don't. The rule isn't as strict for the AHL, so. But it's I guess, probably a team policy. Yeah, you and you like to I see the, the see team that. policy be built around you know trying to keep their guys safe, um, trying to even you know keep their fans safe to some degree. Um, but it's, it's it's just awkward to see guys like Brett Clark and then a, a couple of others around the league just like losing a- NHL slash AHL jobs because you because of this. Like, goddamn, dude. Well, the funny thing is, like, Clark is not he's not going to be considered for that kind of coaching job everywhere. The only reason why he was a coach is because I mean, come on, let's be real. They fired Tobler for something. And they needed a coach, and he was the only guy that was there. And, and that's I think it's the direction he wanted to go in. I, I, I think he didn't want to travel as a scout or development coach like he was. Um, well, sure, I'm, I'm sure it's a nice but, idea for him, but yeah, you see the kind of uh, hires that other teams make for AHL assistant coaches is like the top junior coaches. Is kind of right. I'm just saying, like he had an in out. in a field that's hard to get into, and he had a half season of experience doing yeah. it. And right, I'm just saying, what what an opportunity. Yeah. That you're not going to get anywhere else, but and, and just to, to piss it away because you don't want to get the COVID vaccine. Like, all right, I guess that's your choice. Right, yeah. and we don't know why. I mean, it was it 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 wasn't a medical thing because I I think they'd be if it was he a would little still more be forgiving. Here. Well, I think they would just be a little more forgiving in the press, or you know, explain sort of why that happened. If if he was um, if he was choosing to step away because he could not get the vaccine, then that it would have been presented that way. It wouldn't be where yeah. the fuck is Brett Clark? Yeah. Oh, he's gone. Oh, because of okay. Well, well, all right then. And not that anyone cares, but they promoted the head coach of the Utah Grizzlies up to take his spot, Tim Branham. Which also lets you know that this was a very last minute thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, there's not a hiring process fine. there. 
you know, like I think he's done. I have definitely haven't followed Utah like I used to when they sent real pro. Well, when I thought they were still real prospects since there, <laughs> I just I don't follow Utah anymore. Other than you know, obviously seeing how they're doing, but like I don't right. watch. But it seems like he was doing a fine job. He's a younger guy, so good opportunity for him and and for an AHL assistant coaching gig and we'll see what they do with Utah but um the abs definitely like to keep it in the family (laughs) (laughs) you know like you just can't hire anybody else but that's okay so let's talk about the rest of the preseason um just just for my panelists benefit I have about five to ten minutes to do this um on Tuesday the 28th Colorado opens the preseason in Vegas that's an eight o'clock mountain start against the, the you know probably the Silver Knights really um and that'll be on NHL Network and then on Thursday is the preseason home opener that's back in Denver against the stupid Minnesota Wild and then the next week is packed Monday we're on the road in Minnesota six o'clock mountain Tuesday it's back at home against Vegas again at seven o'clock mountain and it'll be interesting to see what the rosters are for for that game because that one is on altitude on Tuesday the 5th um, we close out with a set of two against Dallas on the road Tuesday at six mountain and back at home on Saturday at five mountain. The only games that we know for sure how to watch are NHL network against Vegas and altitude against Vegas. And that's it. Yeah. We'll see yes. about the others. It's probably going to come down to if the other teams have a broadcast, which means we could find stream or not. I'm going to go to the first home game against Minnesota. So at least I'll be able to see that. Um, the Minnesota I, games traditionally have been broadcast at least at least their home game. Maybe yeah. they'll broadcast from Denver. Um, and we we know the Stars won't broadcast from Denver, so that game will be a mystery. <laughs> so yeah, we'll see. I I don't like the anxiety. Like I know preseason's really lame, but for guys like Cout and Bowers and. You know, seeing how guys like Jack Johnson and Isamov look, it's important. It's important to see because it's going to be a huge evaluation point for these guys' careers and moving forward. Yeah, we, we have had a lot more turnover than usual this year. I mean, you know, there's more turnover than you think every year, but this year there really was a lot of turnover. Yeah, between well, at least the cap stuff, between expansion draft, like, I, I think every team has just had extra turnover. Right. You know, I realize that we haven't mentioned Foodie, and I just want to say that I adore that kid, and he looks good. Shout out to Jean-Luc Foodie. Mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> and and we uh, should definitely mention he's going to get to actually play in the AHL. Um, they've, they've made an exception for players in his circumstance only, so that's really good. We were kind of worried that he was going to get stuck um, playing Major Junior and just, like, dominating for a couple of weeks and then getting bored, so... I, I think it's good. I think seeing him, you can see the pro experience he has. He has those details. Like, he's on par with the Bowers. He's not, you know, with guys like Bocage that haven't played. You can tell he's, like, a step ahead, and he doesn't look like this is his first rodeo with the organization. So I feel better about about him continuing on that path, especially after seeing him. Yeah. I think I think they've got something that might be a little special. Um, he's, you know, I, I I'm not going to say he's he's top six NHL potential. Um, you know, he might end up there, but I, I think they're going to find somebody that's got a lot of speed and skill that that can play a bottom six role and and, and really add something. 
That'd be cool. Yeah, like he's he's so skilled, and it's like you said, it's not like in a top six or bust kind of way. Like just just the way he can control the puck is is like NHL level, and they should be able to find a role for him. But anyway, it just occurred to me that we hadn't really mentioned him, and I didn't want anyone to think that like he's just been okay. Like I th- he's had a good good couple weeks. Yeah, he deserves mention. Um, so I th- I think that the game to watch. Since we, if we only if we could watch all six games, which we can't, I, I think the game to watch would be the second one, the home game against Vegas, um, just because of uh, you know just, just because of the that they're choosing to put that one altitude, um, that it is. You I, know, I Vegas. think you make a good point because I hadn't thought of it. Usually, if if altitude's ever going to broadcast a game, it's usually like the very last one, which that yeah. one's like the dress rehearsal. That's yeah. the one where everyone's expected to play. You might have one or two differences, but it's it's like the dress rehearsal. It, it's they, the hype game. Yeah. Well, plus, it's it's a back-to-back, so it's probably going to be like, hey, like maybe the group two that's sitting here in front of me is going to go to Minnesota, and the group For one's sure. going to stay home and play this yeah. one. Exactly. Well, that second road game is usually like the AHL game. Yeah. Because they're going to cut everybody after that because they need to go to Eagles camp. And the Avs tend to not travel the Stars. Like, like for sure, McKinnon and Gerard, they, they will not travel, but you, a couple guys will draw the short end of the stick. Maybe they'll make Nuke travel and play with some of the kids or something, and and that's okay. So, like, the first, very first game in Vegas, we expect that to just be, like, the kids, like, Alausen and anybody they're going to cut, maybe a few of the AHL guys. I hope that Byram doesn't have to play that game because it's going to be a disaster. And then... The first game at home, which will be the one against Minnesota this week, since it's a home game, you might see a, a better roster. They're still probably going to evaluate a lot of the maybe guys like Cout and Bowers, but they're going to play some real NHL players in that game. And then, um, yeah, the the second one is like the total second road game's total AHL, and you make a good point. They're televising that one, so they're going to make that one maybe a little bit better than what maybe the typical fourth preseason game is going to look like that's my expectation then probably that road game in dallas that's going to be the make or break for guys like cow bowers you know they're probably going to want to see something good from guys like baron byram new hook that's going to be like this is your career kind of game for those guys <laughs> and then no pressure, home. Yep. <laughs> hopefully yeah. we get to watch that game in dallas because that's that's the career game and you know who knows we'll find out might be able to watch it so far, there's nothing listed on Altitude, or on Altitude, on the Avs website, I guess it's kind of the same thing. Um, not, nothing listed <laughs> so far. Um, real, real quickly, and I do mean quickly, um, what can we expect for coverage from you in the next couple of weeks, Vlad? So for me, I'm going to be at the uh, the three preseason games, so I'll, I'll be the sights eyes and ears to see how things are going leading up to the uh, conclusion of preseason and then we're going to hit the ground running for home opener coming up on the 13th i love it sounds good comes quickly stay tuned to the twitch stream uh you know that uh we we like to bring those kind of things to you so that you you can kind of get your eyes on things that you couldn't see if you were not there um but yeah that's that's going to bring us to a real hard stop because I'm on a strict time limit right now, unfortunately. Um, I've, I've got to bounce. So you can look for 
Um, the next show from us sometime around the end of preseason. I'm, I'm, I don't think the day is quite hammered down yet, um, but it'll it'll be but before be- the home opener. Obviously, it'll be before the season starts because it's going to be our season preview episode. Um, so look for us then. I hate how quick and abruptly this is ending, but I don't have a choice. I will talk to y'all later. See you soon.